Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Howard H. Smith. I, well, present this here podcast and the motorcast and the reducer and I sing and lead sing uh, in Acid Rain UK Thrash Band and I do stand-up comedy as Keith Platt. I also do a spoken word show called... The Secret History of Thrash, and I'm going to bring that back soon. So hopefully looking to book some live shows and um, and get that back out on the road soon. So any who, it's time for another episode of your favourite podcast. Before we do, some awesome, awesome, awesome extras are available on Patreon. Pa- Patreon? Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There's a link in the description every week. Support the podcast Patreon. If you do, not only are you supporting the show, but I seriously speak to some of the patrons. I properly over deliver. Yeah, you get you spend $6 a month, you get way more than $6 worth of content. Now, I am aware there are some of you out there who want to support artists, individuals like myself, and you've signed up at Patreon and you get maybe early merch access. Yeah, you you might get, you know, one question that wasn't made it into the podcast. Or, you know, basically what I'm saying is some people, then they're, they're not giving you what you're paying for. Me, I will be doing exactly that. I'll be giving you. And I, I have been doing four years. Anywho, loads and loads and loads of stuff. Loads of stuff extra programs, um, live podcasts, chats every month on Zoom. It's a right laugh. Join up if you want. So there you go. Sorry. I wasn't expecting to do a massive Patreon bit at the beginning this week, but hey, I have. So there we go. What else have I been doing? I have been looking at the heavy metal news since last we spoke. And straight in, David Lebson. Finds his joy and happiness after Megadeth. I got too, uh, I got a little too famous, and got too much press. Now, I, I I think that is a fairly grounded, you know, reasonable statement. Um, but you know, I, I think he's definitely, definitely got a bit of sense of awareness about him. You know. I mean, obviously, he's feeling liberated because he's he's out of the straitjacket um, of of Megadeth. But I, I just thought that was a you know a really honourable thing to say. And he's asked, um, so your second part of in Megadeth, um, you know, ended in twenty twenty two. You know, was it enjoyable? And he said, yeah, you know, first era taught me how to do this. Um, that was the first act. This is the second act. I love Jason Newstead analogy. The first pack's a more powerful punch than four individual fingers. <laughs> you're, you're, you're united. I always say it because Nick Menza hated leaving home. When we got on the road, he wanted to be home. I always told Nick, when you're home, you want to be on the road. When you're on the road, you want to be hold. Uh, you, you want to be home, hold. You never, you never know if this will be the last time we go to Europe or Japan. We're a fucking rock band. We're in a real rock band that uh, uh, that has this lunacy. Who the fuck knows when this will blow up? Nirvana shows up, and no one wants to listen to heavy metal. I always had that that approach, and I guess when I got cleaned up and sober, helped have more of gratitude for every day I walk on stage and play music. Isn't that lovely? So that is then followed by. Hmm. 
I've watched the quality of Megadeth diminish over the last five years. Well, I'm sorry, Dave, but you didn't leave five years ago. So obviously, you know, you're part of that. But hey, that's... I, I'm, let's see what he says, but I'm, I'm, he speaks really well about, about how he was, you know, booted from Megadeth. He says, I think it was unnecessary and it was undoubtedly done with spite and bitterness, which I do not deserve. Considering all that I've done for Megadeth and all that I've tolerated over the years, I'd say the whole thing was uncalled for. And it certainly was not what we discussed regarding how the transition would happen. What went down came blindly out of nowhere, so I basically had the option to take it or retaliate, um, which I was given licence to do. My team said, hey, if you want to go at this guy, go for it. We've never seen something so unethical on every level. Do what you need to do. No, I'll just sit back and let it sort itself out. Well, I'd say his team were a bit naive there. If they think the most unethical thing they've ever seen is a guy who has been... Uh, caught online with a young lady who's the minister of his own religion and a member of their band and a father and husband. I don't think it's unethical to boot that person. i got to be honest. I don't think it's unethical for Megadeth to turn around and go, sorry, but we got a zero tolerance thing like this. We, got, we don't need parents wondering if, you know, members, uh, members of the band are going to be leering at them online. So... Yeah, I I just kind of disagree with that altogether. Um, but hey, that was fascinating stuff, wasn't it? It's yeah, you know, it's it's just the typical things. Anyway, look, talking of typical things, here's a story that just keeps on running across the next five articles. Slipknot parts way with keyboardist Craig Jones. That's right, Nailed, the one who looks like a DIY DIY accident. Looks like he just fell in a fucking bucket of nails. Um, we wish Jones all the best for the future. No reason No reason was given. Then that post was deleted. And then slips, Slipknot's Sean Clown uh, Crahan to sit out shows on spring slash summer 2023 European tour. So it's not all bad news for Slipknot fans. You're not going to have that lumbering douche wandering around the fucking stage every night. Never mind. But, you know, I, even so, I would like to say that he is doing it for genuinely good reasons. I, I, here's where I feel bad about slagging a guy off now. Um, he's doing, staying away for upcoming shows in order to stay home with his wife who's been suffering from some unclo- undisclosed health issues. Well, it was Crohn's disease 18 months ago, which, he, which was not undisclosed. Um, so there you go. And, you know, no joke, no fucking about. So the next article, Slipknot plays first concert with new mystery member. Oh, right. So they've deleted the post about um, longtime keyboardist Craig Jones. And um, yeah, soon after, an unidentified person appeared on stage behind keyboards at the Nova Rock Show. Um, So, yeah, still no reason. Still no one knows who that is. Just some mystery person. Okay, next Slipknot story. Slipknot surprise release new six song EP Adderall. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It isn't. Here are the songs. Death March, which is about one and a half minutes long. Adderall, no intro. Adderall, rough demo. Red or Redder, which I think is less than a minute. Then Adderall, then Hard to Be Here. So, yeah, uh, not much of an EP. I mean, they've they've really, really managed to fucking stretch it. But, you know, such is life. Now... Um, if you thought that the Slipknot stories and... No, 
No, no, no. Because, here we go. Slipknot co-founder and percussionist M. Sean Crahan, a.k.a. Clown, rejoined his bandmates last night, Sunday, June the 11th, for their headlining set at Download Festival. Well, there you go. He was missing for a long time, wasn't he? And he's back again already, appearing at Download. Isn't it Download? Fucking hell, what is with my pronunciation today? Download. Yeah, OK. Sorry about that. Um, so, anyway, um, this is the next part of the news. This is, it's not, a, it's not a review, but it's more just letting you know that if you remember the band Nail Bomb, because I do, yeah, Max and Alex Newport from Fudge Tunnel and a few others, uh, Igor, I do believe. Yeah, so Nail Bomb. Um, and this one's called A Thousand Percent Hate. It's come out. It's the first album, um, and I think it's the second album live. So let's just check out Nail Bomb Essentially, Bulk, Nail Bomb, Main Impression. Yeah, okay, so yeah. First CD is the album, second CD, it's basically live. The live half of 100, 1000% hate is indeed a more heavy and primal representation of the source studio material, but as rough and tumble as Nail Bomb was, the supergroup wasn't as all as unrefined as some suggested. Oh, check that out. Well, yeah. So, um, and in spite of the hateful energy permitting from all that was Nail Bomb, it was crystal clear that they weren't afraid of having fun. Proud to commit commercial suicide, of course, includes the prank call that Max made to his friend. Danny Mar Marania, the vocalist of um, Northside Kings, who infamously punched Glenn Danzig. Mm. This re-release package arguably proves it's worth for fans who have the original recordings because of the bells and whistles. The liner notes written by Cavaliero, as well as a new interview with Northside Kings vocalist, um, uh, remain one of Max's most uh, interesting ventures. So there you go. Yeah, a thousand percent hate. And I've got a few other things that I've been listening to recently, but I'm not going to mention them because you know what? You've got old bollocks for that. Coming up next... Right. Progressive metal legends Watchtower reunite with singer Jason McMaster um, announced first comeback show. That is fucking awesome. Watchtower, the best band who never got anywhere. I mean, they just about managed to get an album out and that was it. They they were way beyond their time. Fucking awesome. Um, and that date is going to be on the 6th of October this year. I'm going to be keeping an eye on fucking that. Next up. Dream Theatre. Mm -hmm. Dream Theatre's John Petrucci. We've talked about some ideas on direction for the next studio album. Okay. Can I just put throw my hat in the ring here? I'm going to say I think it'll be prog. All right? I'm just putting it out there. I'm, I know, crazy, crazy man that I am. I'm just saying it might be prog. Okay. There's, there, there's a chance. Right, fucking hell, guys! I've had an idea for a new album. Should we write loads of long, long songs with huge instrumental parts where we all show off? Well, that's what I was thinking of doing. Oh, good, good. Oh, we, we, we're still doing that, then, are we? Yeah, absolutely. Right, just making sure nobody wanted to do singles out. No, three, four minute in and out. No, no. Okay, and finally, Gene Simmons talks about rockers who've been inspired by Kiss. Uh, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine Gene having more fun than being able to list bands who've said that they once played a Kiss record? You know, um, 
absolutely fucking loving it. Uh, I've got straight out, it's Metallica, isn't it? You know, straight up. Then it's Tom Morello, you know, Dime. Oh, no, straight after Metallica, it's Dime. Basically, Metallica, Pantera, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, there's three, right, of the most influential bands in rock in the last 20 years, if not longer. And straight out the gate, Simmons. Uh, all Kiss fans, I think you'll find. Yes, but they're all better than you, you fucking knobhead. Anyway, anywho, um, that is the end of the news, folks. I hope you've all enjoyed that because um, it was certainly fun putting it all together for you. Uh, now, next up, and it's my old mate, John Gallant from, yeah, Billy Talent. Now, um, John and I have, well, we haven't seen each other for a while, actually. Um, would have been the last album, which was, um, oh, Afraid of Heights. Awesome album. And um, uh, we had a chat for the podcast when they, I think it was with Ian and, uh, and John for that album. That was at the Roundhouse in London several years ago. So uh, if you missed that, check it out if you've wondered why I've mentioned it. So they were on tour again here very recently, my beloved um, Billy Talent. So I went along to see them. Uh, it was at a festival. It was great. But, you know, ultimately it was, you know, it was a festival. Um, so I was just kind of knocking about. Then, then I got word that they were playing well they'd already they'd already got a show in Brighton booked um did I want to come and do that and do an interview so hey always love hanging out with my friends in Billy Talent I got to say I got to have a chat with Ian sorry Ian again it was lovely um and yeah we were all just passing ships of the night this is one for those of you of the old school of talking bollocks I used to do a lot of these. This is um, an interview backstage. There is interruptions aplenty. There's things going on in the background. We actually stop the interview entirely as a um, terminally ill fan comes backstage and wants to meet the band. So this is John and I chatting just a few weeks ago. What app is that? That, it's um, a native app on that phone, it's an old geek phone, and um, it's a whole studio. You can record on it, the whole thing, and the camera on it, you can mix the live sound while you're watching a band. You can, wow, you can, and that, it, what, is that a Samsung? Uh, no, it's an old LG, they don't even make phones anymore, they gave up. Yeah, they make shitty washers and dryers too. Yeah, yeah. Life, <laughs> life is good until you buy one of their products. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know my TV. I had an LG TV too, and the screen like just doesn't work. We had to unplug the the TV and then plug it back in, and then sometimes it comes back on. But yeah, that's no. uh, that's. Uh, I think anybody listening who's got an LG, an LG TV will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get that. Um, so just paint a picture for everybody listening. We're in a we're in a hallway. You might hear people. Um, wandering past the occasional security announcement but um, uh, we're here at Chalk in Brighton um, and we were just trying to figure out Billy Talent 3 was when we first kind of properly met and I'm is that, is that 2010? Uh, I think, yeah, no, it came out in 29, 2009 at the end of the year, I believe. Right, okay. And, uh, yeah. and then, yeah, because we we were doing 
doing pretty good with three year gaps between our records. So it was 2003, 2006, 2009. Oh, I know you broke it. And uh, yeah, yeah, now we screwed that up now as we're old guys. I think it took six years between the last one. <laughs> well, yeah, but then there's also a pandemic, isn't there? There was. There kind was. of didn't help. That did, uh, that did delay things slightly. Oh, uh, well, I mean, look, let's dive straight in because it's the elephant in the room and it's yeah. like, you know. Oh, what, how did you get through the pandemic? What was the pandemic like? It's like, you know, on a on a touring cycle, you're hoping you've got past all of those questions, and it's kind of like, you know. But you guys, you pretty much, you you were kind of ready to go, weren't you? Yeah, we so we took it. We did all the touring for Afraid of Heights, and we were like, we're we've been doing this for so long. We're gonna all take a year off. We. And uh, so we took a year off, kind of not really to do anything, and then Ian started writing and stuff like that, and and then uh, we were ready to get going, and then the pandemic hit, and we had actually we had started recording, and uh, um, when Toronto got actually locked down, we were going into the studio that afternoon, and uh, we didn't go in on the first day, and then the studio kind of just, I guess, decided that we could go in there, and, and uh, so we went and tracked the, the, the tracks that we needed to do, and that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, so it was probably the most um, uh, unband-like recording that we've ever done. You know, we you usually you, you're recording a lot of live stuff, and then you redo everything, and you're but you're together more. Yeah. So this time, like we like tracked the drums with demos. So we weren't in the room with Jordan when he did the drums, and right. like he just he tracked it along with the demos that we had already made which our demos are so good that they could have been released probably so like that's just the way Ian makes music I was, right? I was just going to say <laughs> even the demo is going to be as good as good a quality as most bad oh my demos. god he, he's insane like he's so detailed and not insane in a bad way like, it's just yeah. he just wouldn't want to give anybody a demo if it didn't sound as good as it could be yeah so anyway um so we tracked the drums that way and then when all the drums were done it was just me and Ian tracking the bass together uh, so just him and I in the control room and then he just tracked all the guitar by himself with with an engineer a friend of ours all so and then we did the same with the vocals so we, were never, we never really made the we wrote all the songs together and finished them and, and like that process was kind of normal but the studio process was a bit different yeah and then it just gave us a lot of time to uh, work on the records because we didn't want to put it out in the middle of the pandemic so we yeah. just kept on pushing the date back and yeah we, re we released like five or six songs before it even came out which was beneficial once we started playing the, the songs live everybody knew them yeah so it, it worked out for us it, it was it was confusing and um uh, you know and because of the pandemic we wouldn't have had uh uh, Rivers Cuomo sing on End of Me that song was already finished and in the can we were gonna, it was done mixed mastered and everything and then we were just sitting there with time on our hands and Ben suggested that we send it to Weezer to see if Rivers would sing the second verse because it sounded like a Weezer song and uh, he liked it and did so, yeah and that was because of the pandemic we had the extra time there, 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 there is I think we can all think of things in our lives that you, think, you know what that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic yeah, uh, yeah. that's actually a good thing yeah um, but um, yeah I mean I, that does sound weird that does sound a weird way to record yeah it, it was weird it was weird but you know I, I it was just the way it was so yeah it was yeah it's fine the album is, the album is amazing it's a best-selling record um, so 
can't complain about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, what's the response been like to it? It's been great. It's been all positive. The touring especially has been super positive. Um, yeah, it's been very gratifying. We, we, we seem to be one of the bands that uh, didn't get affected in when we, like, because now it's just a flood of bands that are touring. Like, we're still selling our shows, so yeah. uh, they're, they're doing well. We got great fans, and I think uh, maybe since maybe like hard to find or something like that. I was just going to say, well, you know, you, like you're saying, you, you, you were, you've been pretty rigid throughout your career of, you know, gaps, which also means that, um, to throw in another cliche, maybe familiarity breeds contempt a little bit. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, you know, yeah, oh, though. they're back around, oh, they're back around, oh, I'll skip this one. Yeah. But when it's taken away from you and all of a sudden it's, oh, right. And I think, uh, too, just our audience getting... Actually, our audience seems pretty young sometimes too. When I look in the crowd, it's, which is really gratifying. But um, a lot of the bands that we started with and play with are done now, and they're or they're finishing up their careers, or like some Forty One just announced that they're gonna, yeah. they're done. And um, so you know, <laughs> they, people are realizing <laughs> we better check out our, our favorite bands while they're still around. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, as well, is that, you know, I kind of feel sorry, by the way, that's uh, just walking through speaking languages other than English. Just get used to it. That's our bus driver. He's probably getting his laundry. Okay, I got scared Bus drivers are a different breed. That's a, that's a, uh, they, they a unique really job. You have to be a unique person. Um, I had a, we had a, uh, we toured, this is years ago, and um, our driver had a, a, a day off. And so we had a relief driver for a day. It's the only time that's ever happened. It's huh. like so weird. Um, but you know, he, he turned up, seemed like a nice guy. Those, those are, you know, oh, go on, sorry. You know, so he turned up, seemed like a nice guy, cool, drove us. Um, we were all going out. He said, oh, I'm just going to have a couple of drinks, crash out. Um, in the morning, he drove us to the venue. Fine. The new bus, new bus driver, when we came, came back to the bus, our old bus driver was back and he was like, guys, tell me about like last night and like, what are you talking about? No, nothing. He said, what about the drugs? Nothing to report. And he said, please shat all over my bunk. And he just stayed in it. In like, you know, the, you know, the, the, the driver has a special bunk. That's fucked up, man. Yeah, he just stayed in it. He shat all over it and then, and then driven us to the... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so, the very first time we ever had a tour bus, uh, we had this... Um, well, our, our very first tour bus, we had this guy who was named Little Maddie, and he was like this seven-foot-four fucking Scottish guy. He was, his hands were the size of my, like, torso. <laughs> Guinness looked like a tiny little cup in his hand, you know? <laughs> anyway, he was great, and we had him only for three days, and then the bus company was giving us another bus to another company. So we got the second guy, and... He was brutal. His hygiene was so bad that he smelled like a fucking bag of rotting onions. And uh, he was smoking cigars while he was driving. He never cleaned the bus. The bus sink was filled with all this sludge and stuff like that. And then it just filled up with this dirty booze water and it would like swish around when we were driving. And my bunk was actually across from this sink. So it, wasn't, it wasn't a very quality bus. So everything was just bunks on one side and things on the other. And the, the sink would spill into my bunk. So I eventually had to move and sleep in the back lounge and and uh, we couldn't take the guy anymore he was too gross and, uh, and he wasn't a very nice man and we asked the bus company to send us a new person so yeah. they, they can't tell 
bus drivers even fired until the next guy shows up so they don't do anything, right? Yeah. So we were here in Brighton, oh, of right. all places, on the day of the change. Right. And I was sleeping in the back lounge, and we were parked on the pier down, I guess it was maybe some tour bus parking down there. And the bus was moving, and I was sleeping back there, and all of a sudden I hear, Bam! Like a huge, huge crash. I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I lift up the curtains and I was in my discombobulated state, just waking up. I, it looked like the glass was frosted, but what had happened was he reversed the bus into a street lamp and it just, just slowly was reversing and he didn't realize he was pushing up against the street lamp and it compressed the back of the bus and the, all the windows just shattered in place. Oh, wow. So yeah, so it wasn't frosted glass, it was shattered glass and it was just all still in place. Shit. And uh, yeah, when he hit it too, the TV had fallen on my back because it fell right out of his housing and landed on my back and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was a shitty bus. Yeah, that was a hell of an experience. So, and then, But that happened here in Brighton. That's and insane. We were playing an opening for Jane's Addiction somewhere around here. That's insane. Yeah. It's, all, it, it, it's and it's funny to think that you know all these years later you're you're back here because I was going to say you know you had a chance to get out. You said you did the zipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great place. I'm walking around and checking out the lanes and all the stuff that this city has to offer. And Ben and I went actually to a museum down there because his grandmother is from uh, Brighton and she did she was like a maid for some like very powerful people here or something like that and she was apparently some sort of muse for one of the these people's uh, paintings so there's like a painting of her somewhere in one of the museums here of his grandmother so he had a picture of her we went to the one over there and we asked around we went in and looked at looked at the museum checked out everything so anyway we got out today and it was nice and uh, did he did he find the picture no we found there was one that kind of like could, it was like he had a picture of, the, of his grandmother and stuff like that. Like, that kind of looks like her. Like, it, was a, it was a portrait of a, of a servant. Right, okay. Yeah. Right. It was cool. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is a lovely place. And yeah. I, I, I used to play here a lot. Um, but the club, the club that used to book me, you know, stand up, and the club that used to book me uh, disappeared. And there's, there's other clubs. Um, but Circuit, again, is so, so packed. And especially, you know, post pandemic. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. It's like everybody is out there all the time. Right. Um, and you say about yeah. you know bands in, in comedy. It's just like you're never off the road. It's like yeah. it's just it's, like, it's people's living. Right. You know. Yeah. So you know it's a it's a bun fight getting shows out there. Um, but uh, but you're right. Yeah. So this is a sold out show. Billy Talent yeah. still um, still feeling the love in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really awesome. You know. Um, we, uh, we haven't uh, been here as much as we would like, and um, but you know we we got we we did a couple of shows last uh, last time we were here, um, and then we got some festivals that we're doing that we just did, and then did these shows, and eventually we'll try to get back for a proper run. But it's been uh, it, it, we're busy all the way in, up until the end of this year. So. Yeah, and also when you say yes to festivals, you have to give them a certain amount of excuses. Yeah, there's all well, that. And because it's near London, yeah. it's like that place. You know, they've got a radius in the claws, yeah. and that just like 
rule out so many cool places yeah. to play that you want to come all the way to the seaside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, uh, it, it's, it's funny you were saying earlier about the age of your fans, and I was going to say I was out, I was I was out in the crowd on um, on Saturday night, and um, there was um, I did notice there was one whole family who were all stood together and it was like father, mother, daughter, son and they were yeah. all stood watching band singing along it's pretty and it's, cool and it's really good it's like it's like it's like yeah I wonder which album is your family album you know what I mean yeah. I just I really you know is it one is it two is yeah. it three is it you know well, we've started to notice that actually uh, quite a bit there was at that same show there was a kid right at the front uh, right along the security gate he must have been eight or nine years old and he was there with his dad, but he knew every single word we played, and uh, we then managed to get him a drumstick, which is cool because you gotta nurture those young fans, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also, the thing is, it's like when you think back to kids that age who are down the front, who are that passionate, you've got to be thinking, yeah. Do you know what? You're going to be in a band. Yeah, for sure. Because. Yeah this young yeah. going to this extent being this passionate yeah. this is just going to go deeper for you yeah totally you know because I remember being that kid you know yeah, not yeah. nine yeah. although I probably looked like I was nine um, but yeah I remember yeah. you know you just you couldn't get close enough yeah my, I, my parents took me to a lot of, a lot of shows like I remember always that we would do that as a family thing like when I was six or seven, I went saw Brent Cummings, and then when you know I was nine or ten, it was Michael Jackson with my sisters. Like we we go to shows, so yeah. you know, it was always something that was important. For, maybe that rubbed off on me in a way. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, slight change, but gotta ask, how's how's Aaron? Aaron's doing well. You know, um, it's MS is a degenerative disease, so. Uh, Sometimes, and it's also episodic, so sometimes yeah. he's feeling really well, and, and other times it's, it's, he's have a, he'll have a hard time walking and stuff like that. But, you know, he keeps his head positive, and uh, he'll probably play some songs with us on, the Cana- on some of the Canadian stuff we're going to do. And, wow, that's awesome. Um, we, ha- we see him regularly. He comes to the studio all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. No, I mean, I lived, I lived with um, somebody um, who, who had MS for sort of three, four years. And um, so yeah, I can. You it, see it, it right? Yeah. You, what, you, you see the good days. And yeah. You yeah. see the bad days. Yeah, and actually, like when, for the longest time with Aaron, it was he didn't see if there was bad days. There was no way you were going to see it. He he, it wasn't bad enough that he couldn't cover it up, especially when we were touring. And it wasn't until like uh, just yeah, until it happened, which was 15 or 16 years into our career, where it just was. Oh, he was always feeling weak or yeah. having a hard time getting through songs and, or getting through shows and uh, and then it just so it just kind of t- hit a spot where it got his MS got worse and then so that's when changes had to be made and um, yeah that's uh, it, 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 it's a mental battle to like yeah, he's a, he's accepted the fact that like this is th- his state but um uh, it's challenging always to try to stay positive and focused yeah. when, you, when you have that you know what you love taking away from you so. yeah no absolutely absolutely and um, was he still involved in the writing because I know he wasn't afraid um, of heights well the way we've always kind of written is Ian is kind of 
Ian, Ian even comes up with bass parts and drum parts and stuff like that. So, uh, and then we would work on things together once songs were kind of finished and everybody adds their little flavor yeah. there. So he hasn't really been involved in the last, last two records in terms right. of the writing. Yeah. Um, a little bit on Afraid of Heights, but the, it, when we were writing that album is when the f- shit started to really hit the fan for him on yeah. that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a t- it's a tough situation, but you know you you're out here you're out here kind of doing it for yourselves and doing it for him as well. Yes, yeah, Mullen, he's still uh, like he's still like a whole part of all of this, and you know in the in the family. So it's a uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, when you were um, when you were working on the album, and and just we you said it was so it's just you and Ian in the studio together. Yeah, well, just like when I was doing my parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, would there normally be, you know, would there normally be more people than that? Well, yeah, you, you, maybe you, uh, people coming just in and out, just out and hanging out and stuff like that. Like, yeah, so, yeah, it was just a different process. It was just lockdown, you know? Yeah, yeah. That is like that, but that really puts the focus on the strength of your relationship as well. Like, the two, I'm just thinking of the two of you, you know, working every day on on parts you know yeah no, oh well um the way we work is is uh everything is prepared we're prepared going in things are done settled if there's any kind of changes last minute it really has to be something special that's gonna like change it at that point um so it's more about just making sure the playing is up to as good as it can possibly be and all the feel because sometimes it takes years to really really feel how a, 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 a song can be you know um so trying to get into play the songs as many many times as possible before yeah. going into the studio and uh ian i know is going to make me do uh, parts over and over and over again even like i can't hear the difference i'll be like what the fuck man like i <laughs> i can't hear what you're asking anymore like it's just i feel like i played it the same way 30 times now but he's he he, he doesn't see it any anything is uh, aside from the finished product needs to be as best as it possibly could be yeah and i want as many options as i possibly can have and uh yeah. and it's gonna be amazing and it always turns out incredible the guys are, uh, he's he's, he's, a, he's a savant <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember the last time we spoke. I remember you saying to him that, um, yeah, Afraid of Heights should have been Afraid of the Light because he just spent <laughs> uh, so much time yeah, indoors talking totally. on the album. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he lives in the studio. Uh, he likes that. But um, and, and also, we we were talking before the interview about um, uh, about not doing a twentieth anniversary release for um, for the first album, right? Um, which is which is very cool because you know. Most bands would ju- just jump at the chance to get some more physical. Well, it, it, it might, like, like I said, the label has been pushing us and they've presented a couple of pretty good ideas that, that are appealing. So it, I, I would say that there's more than a 50% chance of, a, of it happening. Yeah. Uh, and it, like, it, it's a democracy, so everybody has a vote. So, you know, we'll see. Some guys could really want not to do it and there's like, and the other guys might just say, come on, this dude will be good. And yeah. Then we'll make that call. Yeah. And, I mean, when you, whenever you're putting stuff out and you're looking at what the label wants, to, you know, the various formats and all the rest of it, it's, I mean, I, I find, and I'm interested to, to find out what you think, that, like, you're essentially looking at it like, well, like, how badly do I want 
this you know that would i buy this yes exactly that's that's definitely uh that's their sales pitch to us like we have these ideas and that's what you have to think in your head would i buy this like yeah because i'm I'm a pretty big fan of the band is it a cash grab and that's what we're always kind of like we we, we, want, we don't want to ever appear that we're trying to gouge our fans because we don't behave that way. So that's a, a, a forefront in our, our mind is like, you know, it's just, it's, or just we just t- taking advantage of all those big town hardcore fans that you know, uh, will buy things. Or, and then there's the, they're, they're always saying, but those people want to buy things. And that's the, always the argument that, that comes from back at us. And we're like, yeah, but they're, uh, it's just like a, but the thing is there's, there's those people out there who will who will say that you're gouging your fans no matter what yeah that's like and that's more to do that's with true. them and their agenda but yeah. it's like that you know that's their narrative yeah. and they're going to apply that to you whether it's relevant or not but then there's also um people who will buy whatever you put out you know yeah. and 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 they're like, and and they're the record label people you know they're the they're the yeah yeah you know yeah, and then yeah. they and, and then there's everybody in between that's kind of like well in a more discerning yeah, it's like yeah. you no, know no, it, it, is this worth it yeah, i already got the 10th anniversary yeah. i was just gonna say yeah i've got the 10th anniversary well, and that's that's what's holding us back a little bit we're, we're gonna have a lot of anniversaries so yeah actually we just got ian and i just got invited to russia's uh reissue of signals because it's like the 40th anniversary or something like that and they're right. doing like a dolby act axmas uh Axmas or whatever uh experience and it's all immersive and then there's a panel afterwards with russian insiders to talk about the record and, and uh so their manager had sent us an email to see if we wanted to come but we're we're over in europe i think it's tomorrow so but that would have been fun but th- that is an example too that rush does a lot of reissues uh, like, yes all the time right? Oh yeah, and uh, you know, so we have an example to 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 look at. We'll see. I'd say I'd say what like that um, when they did thir- when they did uh, that um, R thirty the um, yeah. th- that live Blu ray that just absolutely kills. Yeah, it's cool. incredible. Nice. It really is. It's one of the best looking, best sounding DVDs. Ever. Well, we're part of the reissue of twenty one twelve. Um, that they, they reissued that uh, yeah, course, remix yeah. mastered and then they got they asked artists to cover all the songs and they, they asked us to do one and we did a passage to Bangkok from that record it's a fucking killer cover well a friend of mine <laughs> is a massive Rush fan yeah so this is where I was coming from thank you for steering around this he's a massive Rush fan and um, uh, if there's one thing he hates it's bands doing cover versions of Rush songs because it's like yeah 99% of them are just it's not rush terrible yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you said you really like your um, really, like, really like, like the job you did on it I like her version too we, we kept it pretty true to the original uh, but we added a, a, a few little drum hooks here and there ironically with Neil yeah. here and then uh and instead of the the toke that's in the middle just before the bridge they do a big like joint pull they go in the song we did a bomb so it was like Ian had me do about 30 of those hits before (laughs) in the studio all right eventually I'm like I can't do any like we have to do fake ones (laughs) really I thought you were kidding <laughs> no. Really? No, even even bong noises. Yeah. He's going, no, 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 keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. 
Yeah, he wanted the exact way. He wanted it to be the exact way. Like, like he needed, he needed a whole bunch of them to choose from. So it was really funny. It sounds like he was just trying to kill you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, that um, yeah, no, was a great version, and um, uh, so, but to be in, to be involved in things like that must be. That's that's real icing on the cake, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's actually probably the first bong I was able to write off as a musical instrument. <laughs> no, it's nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're accountant. Uh, I don't think this uh, charge from uh, the cannabis club. <laughs> yeah. Is it tax tax writable? Yeah. Well, I, unfortunately, probably not. No. <laughs> no. That's insane. But um, so yeah, but but yeah, just being involved with things like that, with it, you know, that makes you kind of you know you, you you're up you're getting up there in the Canadian music aristocracy when you start getting recognised yeah. by. Oh yeah, that's really it was an honour. It's cool, the, one of the coolest things ever. Yes, yeah, it feels it feels it feels cool, um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's nice that the, the long career we've had is we're, we're really privileged. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, and 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 kind of beloved in your home country as well, which is we get a lot of respect. It's it's kind of, it's it's awesome and support. Yeah, and uh, and Germany. Germany too. Yeah. I mean, is Germany still as crazy as it always was? Yeah, we are touring in the, from November. We toured the, did our German run November to December, and it was it was sold and fully sold and. Uh, we did a live DVD actually that that will be coming out soon. That's oh, cool. that we recorded our Frankfurt show. Uh, not DVD. That term doesn't even exist anymore. But we we were doing a live album and it has a video complement to it. So right, cool. um, yeah. so that's going to be coming out in June, I think. Um, but at least if, uh, the be announced in June with a maybe a one of the first videos or something like that so yeah um, yeah so we got that coming out that's exciting that, that was a lot of work for Ian how, how many weeks were you in Germany then uh, that was a three and a half week run but we hit we also hit the other uh, the other European markets like we were in Switzerland right. and Austria as well on that tour so yeah we we it was a full Euro run. Yeah, and with the success from in Germany, it has spread out to all the other like m- connecting markets out there. Yeah, 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 and German-speaking countries like that. Yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's 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 one of those things as well that you would have never predicted at the start of your career. You know, oh, we used like, to make fun of that. Like when we were playing in Toronto, when we were a tiny band, we would say, "Oh, no, we're big in Germany." It was like a foreshadowing, like you could never imagine. Really? Yeah. So that was just like that. The because because you, you have these things in bands, these like in jokes and stuff, and that was just an in joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you'd be big in Germany. Yeah. We know we used to say that, and uh, Ben would say that to the crowd. And uh, yeah, so because we always used to laugh at the David Hasselhoff thing, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, well, he was responsible for the wall coming down after all. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome. We built everything organically there. Like we started going over 200 seaters and then 400 and getting on MTV and like getting really great support from the record label and then the people just embraced it like and once once they've embraced you they they stick around for your career like it's it's it seems at least in my experience and feels like when I watch other <coughs> artists they experience the same feelings but I think you've you've built you've built a momentum off the back of 
what are individually great albums you know I, I, I genuinely I'm not just saying this to kiss your ass but I, I don't think you've put a weak album out oh, thank you, you know? very much yeah, I don't I, think we have either I, I, yeah I mean, yeah. you know, bullshit aside, two musicians talking, you know, yeah, yeah they're, they're all strong. No, thank and you very much. Yeah, yeah. They're all strong, they all have, their, I was going to say strengths and weaknesses. There's like, like Dead Silence, for instance, that's, that, I, I listen back to that now, and it kind of has a different sound to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a, kind of a different feel of songwriting that I almost didn't notice at the time, because you're just going, next Billy Talent album, next Billy Talent yeah. Oh, this is what it is, cool, I like this. Yeah, it, But then it, it you is, get time, you get perspective. It's much yeah. different than, than any of the rest of the catalog. And, and same with Billy Talent 3. Billy yeah, Talent 3 is, is, is a rock record. It's, there's barely any comfort. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a testament to Ian and, and how, we, uh, how he's been able to, you know, write songs and grow the band too. And we've always kind of like, there's always one or two experimental songs on every album to lead, lead to more experiments in the future. And, you know, I remember when we were writing Billy Talent 1, we would talk about songs like Standing in the Rain and nothing to lose and whether or not they were they should go on the record that like maybe too much of a rock song or wanted to make this punk record but it allowed us to to those types of songs allowed us to to write the pins and needles and the surrenders and and, and it gave you, and it gave you I, less boundaries yeah 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 and, yeah. and uh, and then when the third record came around, we knew we were working with Brendan O'Brien, who was producing it, and he's a grunge producer, and we love grunge music, and we started thinking, like, we could probably take advantage of his skills if we, if we like, let those influences shine a little more, and then that, and that's kind of the genesis of a lot of the uh, ideas that are in and around that record, so... I mean, three was a big. Was was felt like a, uh, unlike Dead Silence, three felt like a departure from one and two. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, uh, but but also it was like, you know, the, the, the production, which now I think it's kind of like you from from a producer point of view after after three. You can you can see Ian's progression as a, as well, a producer yeah, that, as well. It's, well, it's an interesting uh, pathway for him because first record, of course, he was heavily involved, uh, but we definitely trusted Gavin to produce a record, to boss the engineers to do that, and really lean on his uh, production value. And then uh, what's up? Interview? Yeah. You good? Yeah. Maybe. Just one question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go for it. We have one in wheelchair. Yes. Asking for a picture. Oh, yeah. Possible later. With the group, or just with me. One or two. Yeah, yeah. Wait, well, I would. Love, I would. Yeah, I saw. I saw her come in. Uh, or, uh, Those guys in here. Yeah, yeah. Mask and everything. It's like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, after this, I'll go up and see who's upstairs. Yeah. Um, where will they be positioned? Sorry? Well, where are they going to put? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, can we yeah, pause this for a second? Yeah, yeah, well, let's pause. Let's pause. So, uh, we just had, um, uh, I won't say interrupted, but uh, we just had a little interval um, where, um, well, where you had a chat and a picture with, um, what was his name? His name was Jamie. Um, Jamie. I don't know what his uh, physical disabilities are, but obviously uh, uh, down to a... Uh, uh, 
wheelchair and other medical devices, which is, you know, that's an incredibly difficult life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's a huge fan of us and uh, wanted a picture and, and uh, like whatever we can do to make people happy in that way is, is it's easy on our end. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And his brother, just a lovely man helping him. And that's so yeah. heartwarming to see that type of, uh, you know, I guess it kind of makes me emotional, you yeah. know, with kids and all that stuff. That, that, look, that connection, the, the, that you can give that person, you know, who literally has very little ways of enjoying what time they've got left. Yeah. You know, and if you can make a difference yes. in any way, it's, it's got to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's really easy. It's so, it's so easy to do that. And, um, so anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. It's, uh, he's, uh, I hope he enjoys the show. And he, he's like, can I request a song? Yeah, and, I was like, he's going to arrange the set. I know. And Ian and I were both in our head thinking, fuck, if he requests something that we haven't played in years, we're not going to be able to do it. Because like, we, we've got a new drummer and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, like, yeah. if he hasn't heard the song, like, we're not going to be able to throw in a Lowell knows almost all of the material, but um, but he requested one when I was already on the set, so we were like, "Phew!" Let uh, <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you still dedicated to him, though. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's true. That's a good idea. I mentioned that to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, no, they are, they are the coolest bits. But um, we, well, before we were uh, before we were talking about um, yeah, Ian Ian's. Um, trajectory um, as a, as oh, a producer because right. yeah, so I think we're talking about the first so you know. the first record we really relied on Gavin and, and he showed he taught Ian a lot and uh, the second record came around and Gavin I think just was too busy and when he was working with us it just was there was never it never seemed like there was a focus at the time so right. it was a little bit of difficulties with him and he did a great job on the record as well but Ian really kind of in my mind produced that record he ended up with a co-producer credit but in right. my mind, he, he he drove the bus and Gavin was kind of there yeah. overseeing. Yeah, he had his value, but... Um, and then the third record, we had the opportunity with Brennan O'Brien that we didn't want to show up. And, and then so Ian got to learn a lot of stuff from Brennan, but they definitely had different philosophies on how to, how to record and make music. Like, uh, not everybody's recording philosophies are the same. Or, yeah. And uh, yeah, we're writing processes and... <laughs> we realized after that, like, there's no reason for us to work with other people anymore, you know, unless it's Rick Rubin or something like, like, that you would be, turn that, down. yeah, something you can't turn down, but, um, so Ian's just been doing, Dead Silence was the first one that he was really his full project where finished, and, yeah. you know, there's a learning curve of doing all that because you got to do, like, there's more to, uh, production and just pushing the buttons you gotta make, do a lot of planning and yeah uh, and then uh, but he did great and uh, that's I think um, I think that's probably our most artiest record like it's kind of like the one has the, the I don't want to say complicated songs but the song like they're it's just like a it's just a different, like you were saying, a different record. It's a different, yeah, it's, 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 it's a it's different vibe. And, and yeah. yeah and, but it's kind of, the sound's a little bit more, it goes back to the second and first album, uh, rather than the rock stuff on the third record. And then Afraid of Heights, I think he's just really, he's got his foot on the gas and really knows what he's doing and the song yeah. is at Top Notch. And yeah. we have our own studio that he's been working in for a long time, knows how it sounds. 
uh, and then that's been just like working now for Crisis of Faith same thing like, he's the same studio thank you uh, Marcus yes please um, if you want to leave it there I can take it up the stairs uh, alright thanks buddy you like, you like me I don't like I don't like asking people to do too oh, much I hate asking people to do shit things like that that are a bit kind of rock star yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean hey it's like yeah it feels uncomfortable I hate yeah. asking um, it's like uh, the reason why I asked him to get it, my <laughs> so you bag was on the bus and I know if I go out there I'll probably, I'll probably get like yeah, you'll, uh, yeah I'll have to deal with the, the lineup and stuff like that and yeah. I'm not prepared for that right now so he can grab it quickly for me and, and yeah. I've got a shit ton of laundry to fold and put away <laughs> yeah I know but, I, I'm, but I'm like I still don't, yeah. still don't like time I know I know no it's, matter how good my reason is I can't I feel comfortable with it and our tour manager is, uh, she's worked with a lot of huge acts and she's like she I think she has a post-traumatic stress disorder from some of the mean rock stars that have just like beating her down over stupid things and so she's like super like uh, aware of everything and I'm, I'm always like Cheryl I'm fine I don't need you to do that <laughs> I'm not a child I'm good she's the first person I've ever she's the first like tour manager that I've that's ever emailed me guest list details and then sent me a follow up email the following day to see <clears throat> If I'd got along with them, okay. Like I said, I was like, like now that's customer she probably, service. She, she probably got screamed at by Steven Tyler one day for not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was seriously like, if I, 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 I was going to, do you know what? I was going to reply and say, I'll oh, hopefully get to say hi later. And I thought, do you know, what? I don't want to put any, I don't want to put any pressure on her in case she reads that as, oh my god, this guy thinks he's coming. He, I'm getting him AAA. You know what I mean? Um, so if, if, yeah, is she around? Have uh, I, have yeah, I walked yeah, past she, her at all? She's, she's in the room over there. Right, I've really got to thank her for, yeah. um, for that. That was awesome. Anyway, I think the yeah, uh, yeah, I think this band is going to probably start being a lot really shortly. Yeah, and um, look, I, you've been very generous with your time, mate. And yeah. um, I know you've got some, some washing to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Thanks a lot, dude. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. My pleasure, Howard. Thank take you. Take care, man. And that was us. I really enjoyed that. It was great to be back at a venue um, interviewing somebody live. I think that's the first time I've actually done a, a, a an interview at a venue since the pandemic. So, yeah, it was worth going all that way just for that, I have to be honest. Great show, great band, lovely guys, great new album. You know, it's Billy Talent. You know me, guys. I'm always going to be recommending it. Always. I really enjoyed doing that with John, and I do have to mention that bit. Um, when we when we started doing the interview again afterwards, um, after we'd been speaking, the, the Terminal family, there was a couple of them spent a lot of time with them, which was which was really really nice. And it, it felt, I got to be honest, it felt almost trivial, kind of going back to doing the interview. I you know I I, I felt a little bit so, so it was only natural that we kind of talk about what had just happened, and that in turn. Um, got got quite emotional um and that's just how these things happen but i i just felt that after after everything that he and ian had inverted commas been through i mean i know the guy who's terminally is going through something but when you meet somebody like that it it obviously affects you unless you're some fucking heartless fucking twat of course it's going to have an effect on you 
Um, so it made it, it it made it a very um, a very just just a, a, a more sensitive interview than maybe um, I'd originally thought at the time. Listening back to it, but anyway, I'm babbling. I'm babbling a bit. I do apologise. So as mentioned earlier, get stuck into Patreon if you can. If not, just share the podcast. That'd be great. That's that. Just that. Just that on its own would be bloody marvellous. So, uh, anywho, I am now going to toddle off. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in, as always. Tuning in, eh? Get it? It's always great having you here. And I'll be back in another couple of weeks. Probably, probably uh, another extension of the behind-the-scenes music business features that I've been doing. But who knows? There may be an old bollocks between then and now. Oh, honestly, it's a crazy world. But you're glad to be on this feed, aren't you? Now get over to Patreon. All right, see you later. Bye.